There are people around you right now that you are taking for granted. Who in your life have you been overlooking their value? Who have you been taking for granted? Have you been assuming that they'll be there? It's, a, it's one of those lessons that we tend to learn too late, right? All of us parents, we, we've all acknowledged what it's like to, to watch our children grow too quickly, right? To take those seasons of life for granted, right? You wake up another day. So for us right now, we are potty training Rachel. She's our youngest and the only girl. Amen. You can pray for us all. Amen. Right? And so uh, the deal with Nisa was this, that uh, she told me that she trained the boys, so it would be my responsibility to train Rachel. Now, we all know what she was doing there, right? If you've met my children, you know Rachel is the one who is the most strong, spirited. How about that? We'll say spirited. She's the most spirited of all the children. I, um, yeah, she's, uh, she will not be bribed. She will not be reasoned with. She will not be uh, intimidated or scared. Spankings do not phase her. Uh, to bribe her with candy does not work. Uh, with peer pressure, all your friends are doing it. <laughs> Olivia goes in the potty. What about you? Nope. <laughs> There's, we still haven't found anything that works. I mean... She will intentionally sit on the plot for 20 minutes, and I will follow her to her room, and she will look at me, and me and her both know it's about to go down. <laughs> she is telling me who is in control here. It is not me. It's not me at all. Well, uh, I'm excited to go back into our series. If you guys, uh, if you missed the first week, uh, we're talking about the seasons of life. Uh, I think one of the funny things about this, this series is it kind of opens up one of, those, uh, one of those things about life that we kind of take for granted, Right? You, when you were young, right, when you were, say, 10 years old, and someone asked you, they said, what do you want to be when you what? Grow up, right? The idea is we're training into our kids at a young age to look ahead, right? So all of this early childhood is all about what? Getting older, right? So what do you want to be when you get older? You want to be a firefighter. I want to be uh, a pastor. All, all your kids say that. Amen. Yeah, the pastor's the coolest guy in the church. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are training this, this idea inside of ourselves that when we are in the early stages of life, we want to grow up. But what happens when we grow up too far? That's, that's a nice way of saying get old. What happens when you get old? You begin to reminisce about the what? The past. So what are we saying about life? Are we saying that life is, that the 70 to 90 to 100 years you live, are we saying that all it's really about is those 15 to 20 prime years of your life. And have you guys ever heard that term, the prime of your life? Someone will say, I'm in the prime of my life right now. Is that really all that your experiences, all of your highs and lows, your joys and sorrows, does it all boil down to 15 good years? And what happens when those 15 years aren't good? Is your life a waste? Is it a throwaway? Are you a failure if the prime of your life wasn't so prime? How prime do you feel today? That's the first question, right? How prime do you feel this morning? Anybody? How'd you feel when you got out of bed? A little stiff? Anybody? How prime do you feel? And so in this series, I kind of want to open this up a little bit. Uh, is life really just about working your way to those 15 years and about finding a way through surgery and pills and exercise and yoga to stay in those 15 years as long as possible, right? 50 is the new 30, amen? Amen, there we go, right? 
Is that really what this thing is about? Do we have a, uh, a creator who's designed an experience that would all build up to the short moment and we would hold on to it as hard as we could until it slips through our fingers? And we would spend the rest of our lives looking back. Man, I wish I could do the things I used to be able to do. Man, do you remember back when the kids were at home, how great that was? I heard some laughing. You weren't looking back to the potty training years, I'll tell you that right now. Amen, hallelujah, right? Our house does not smell like glory. It does not smell like that. It smells uh, like childhood, that's for sure. Now, so we talked about childhood in the first uh, sermon. I wanted to kind of open it up, you know. I want to ask you guys to get back in, into those shoes and to kind of feel that, that space out a little bit. Today we're going to move on, okay? I want you to think about your adolescence. Do you know how old adolescence period is? Any guesses? I'll say it's from 10 to about, we'll say, 18 years old. Do you remember life from 10 to 18? Wow. Oh, yes. How about this? Do you remember being a teenager? Anyone? Nods? What was being a teenager like? Anyone? Holler it out. Dancing? Holy cow. That's awesome. Anyone else? Being a teenager, what was it like? Chaos? Exhausting. I think being a parent's more exhausting than being a teenager. Um, anyone else? Emotional. Anyone else? Rushing. Yeah. I want to get out of high school as fast as I can. I was so ready to be done with high school. I couldn't, I couldn't stay in high school. Uh, is there anyone else? Teenage years, what was it like for you to be a teenager? What? Oh. Anyone else? Lazy. Because we all grow out of that stage, don't we? I'm not lazy anymore at all. I don't know what you're talking about, right? So put yourself back in those shoes. It might be difficult a little bit, right? But try to take yourself back a few years, right? Take yourself back to high school to, uh, which, what's funny is some people actually refer to high school as the prime of your life. Has anyone actually heard someone say, these are the best years of your life, high school, how discouraging was that for some of you? <laughs> if, this, if this is the prime, I don't really know what, no more, I'm good, right? I'll just take one serving, that's all I need. I don't want extras, right? If you can put yourself back in those shoes when you were a teenager, life was a little bit different, I think, um, than it is right now. To be a teenager, there were certain things that are kind of pretty common. I, on Facebook the other day, I asked people to, to kind of put out there, you know, what was it like? When you were a teenager, was there something that you learned as a teenager? I got some really, like, uh, hilarious answers. It was quality funny. And then there's those, those answers that are just a little bit, like, Grace Church answers, right? Very honest and raw. You're like, whoa. Thank you for the overshare. Amen, everybody. <laughs> those overshares are safe here. They're, they're safe in this space. Uh, we appreciate them. But they're hard to respond to on Facebook. Do I put the, the heart on that one? Do I put the sad face? Do I put the wow? Wow. You know, you know, I don't know how to respond to this one. Let's just put a like. That's safe. That's always safe, right? I hear you. <laughs> Moving on to the funny comment, right? I love it. Um, and so the one commonality that I noticed is the teenage years of our life, okay? The first thing that I've, that I've kind of sensed as, I've, as I kind of went back in, in these shoes when you are a teenager, you are becoming more aware than your childhood self, right? Would you say that you are smarter 
That's a, that's a hard term, right? Were you more intelligent? Were you able to comprehend more, right, when you were 16 as opposed to 6? Most of you are a little bit sure about that. Some of you are not, right? Um, how about uh, emotionally? Were you more emotionally aware at 16 as opposed to 6? Anybody? How about this? Did you notice more about your family and your parents when you were 16 as opposed to 6? Anybody? Right? When you are a teenager... You are having your first experiences with the depths of pain. Now, we joked about this a little bit, right? When you're a teenager, you're passionate, you are emotional, you are a dreamer, you are reactive, right? You are intense, okay? That's one thing I'd say about teenagers, right? They're more intense than we are, right? There's more of an immediate response to things. And when they feel things, we tend to in high school, right? It was either the best thing ever or the end of the world, right? I'm not sure if you remember being a teenager or not, right? Everything was huge, right? Oh, my gosh, I got to get everything ready because it's a, it's a, it's a sock hop today. <laughs> Anybody go to a sock hop? I'm not crazy. Okay, just an Alma thing? Gotcha. All right. Sock hops were a big deal, right? People are going to be in their socks and dancing. It's a big deal. If I told you, hey, there's a sock hop in two hours. You want to go? How would you respond now? That's what I thought. You would go. I know you would go. We were more responsive. Right? Now, I'm not saying that you always responded outwardly, right? A lot of us in high school learned how to be more guarded with our emotions. Cool. <laughs> Woo, amen, right? We were more cool than that, okay? In high school, that was me. I wasn't going to put my emotions out there, but it doesn't mean I wasn't feeling them, right? Out here, I would be completely just guarded, but behind the wall, I felt everything, and I felt it intensely, right? The teenage years of life are our first in-depth experience of pain. And because of that, our teenage years are where we're first learning how to deal with pain. How do I handle this thing? It's your first experience where you begin to notice how imperfect your parents are. Anybody? Which mine are perfect, because they're on the front row. (laughs) You realize that you're parents are imperfect. You realize that your world is imperfect, right? I guarantee as teenagers, you actually learn that your world isn't as safe as you thought it was when you were kids, right? You find out that the world isn't quite as fair as you thought it once was when you were a kid. I think when you're a teenager, you also experience loneliness in a way that you never experienced it before. Think about this as a child. We experience these things in small amounts, small doses, right? But when you are a teenager, you are experiencing things in a way you never have before. You have adult feelers. You have an adult brain. You have the ability to comprehend complex ideas, to feel in-depth emotions, but you don't yet have the tools to cope with them, to figure them out. And so you are going through this world. Just imagine yourself to go outside in in the winter, right? Imagine it's 32 degrees on, right? And you don't have a jacket on. Everything is intense, right? Every breeze, every wind, every drop of rain is now magnified for you. You don't have the ability to insulate from anything. 
So because of this, teenagers are impulsive, right? Passionate. We call them emotional, right? They overreact. Parents, anybody? Now, uh, I used to be a youth pastor, so I, I have a special place in my heart for you, right? You would not have Grace Church if I wasn't a youth pastor. I promise you that right now. You would not have a culture of honesty at Grace Church if I had not been a youth pastor. You would not have a culture of safety at Grace Church. Because what I experienced as a youth pastor was that they could see right through the games, right? But unlike the adults, they weren't ready to play the fake games yet of church. They weren't ready to sing hallelujah on a bad day. Would you as a teenager? When they were upset, they were upset. When they were happy, they were happy. When they didn't trust me, they would tell me, I don't trust you. Things had to be real and sincere. There had to be an actual safety. They could always sense if someone really cared about them, they didn't. And so as teenagers, we go through these experiences. We don't have the ability to process these things, to handle these things. And so the one thing that, that continues to, to, uh, to kind of pop up to me about this, it's in our teenage years, we are learning how to handle pain. Now, when you think about your teenage self, and I ask you this, what could your teenage self teach you today? Is there anything that you could learn? If your teenage self sat you down today, here's the first question for you, right? How would your teenage self be disappointed in you? Think about it. When you were a teenager, you pictured your life, correct? 15 years ahead, 20 years. If you were that type of teenager, you, you, know, you probably didn't picture anything, right? Just video games or whatever it was you are doing. Hey, you guys got to wake up. I know you're not teenagers, but you got to wake up today, all right? What would your teenage self say to you today? Say it. Your teenage self say to you today, slow down. Wow, a wise teenager. Anyone else? What would your teenage self say to you today? Anybody? Come on. Your parents were right. Oh, I don't want to. I wouldn't have hung out with your teenage selves. You guys are like way too like wise and you know. Anyone else? What would your teenage self say to you today? Stay true to yourself. Anyone else? How about uh, you are boring? Or you're too much like your parents? Anybody else? Come on. What? Calm down. Man, you guys have some really like uh, reasonable teenage years. Or at least your adult lives are just way too crazy. Amen? Either way. Either way, the same thing, right? I think my teenage self would would be disappointed in me. He would say, where is your passion? Where is your passion at? The Old Testament word for that, the uh, Bible word for that is zeal, right? Where is your zeal, your zest? Where is your, it's almost like an edgy energy, right? It is like a feistiness. Where is that zeal in you anymore? I think almost all of us could associate with this. That teenage version of yourself was hungry for more, for life, for something. There was something you were looking for, right? But the number one thing that I want us to learn today from our teenage self is how to handle pain. I want us to understand this. The number one thing about your teenage years is that you are learning to experience and understand what it was to hurt, to be in pain. In this series, one of the goals in this series is I want us to really understand 
to understand that life is not about getting to this place, to the prime of your life, staying there. Life is about learning to enjoy every single gift of God. I want you to understand that there's a gift inside your teenage years. Who here knows what the purpose of pain is scientifically? As a, as a creature on this planet, right, what is the purpose of pain? What does it do for you? Survival. Anything else? What does pain do for you? It teaches you. Absolutely. Anyone else? Anyone else? What does pain do for you? Scientifically, why do creatures need to experience pain? We do what? To know that you're alive. I love that. Anyone else? Warning. Danger, right? Pain is about survival, health. How about that? Health. Pain is a signal. The first thing pain does, it signals to you, right? So, if I choose to walk off this and I roll my ankle, all right, I will have a signal that will go from the nerve endings here all the way up my leg through these nerves all the way to my brain to tell me something. I will say, ouch, or another word if the church were empty, right? And it would hurt me very badly, right? But the reason for this trigger, right, is that it's important that my brain knows that because this is injured, there is pain here, you need to take care of this. I need to behave a different way. So, if that means I need to drag my foot for a few weeks, if it means I need to go see a doctor, if it means I need to not put weight on, if it means I need crutches or a boot, whatever that is, pain is going to tell me that I need to act differently. If I do not make a different decision going forward, if I do not behave differently, I'm going to create more harm for myself. So pain signals, first of all, to me that I need to behave differently. If you look back in your teenage years, you developed a pattern as a teenager on how you handled pain. Are you a distraction type of pain handler? That doesn't hurt. Not at all. That doesn't hurt. Look, it's a, it's a bird. <laughs> Squirrel. Are you the type of person who's learned to keep yourself busy, distracted? That's not hurting at all. I'm going to take my attention elsewhere. Ever met those people who just like start talking to themselves when they get hurt? You know what I'm talking about? I'm okay. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Anybody? No, you don't know them or, or, or you are them. Okay. Good. Right? <laughs> Maybe if I just change my job, everything will be better. Maybe if I just change my hair, everything will be better. <laughs> Maybe I need a new hobby or a new church or a new spouse or a new something. I just need to move. I need a new something because this hurts and I don't want to think about it. So I'm going to keep walking on it, but, I, but I, you know what? I'm going to watch something on TV because it will keep me distracted. Right? Are you the suppressor? You fall and the pain signal goes up and you go, what? What? I'm fine. What? I'm good. Whenever we played sports, I remember we, you'd have that guy on the team. I remember this one time. I think I was that guy. Um, There's this one time I was guarding someone. He threw his head up and it took my tooth into my throat. Gross. I know. I was like, coach, I'm good. I'm good, coach. What pain? I'm fine. On the inside, I want to cry like a baby, but I'm fine. What are you talking about? I don't got time to be hurt. I'm good. What are you talking about? 
I'm fine. When you were a teenager, did you learn to just take whatever pain it was and shove it or hide it or lock it away somewhere? Some deep, dark place that you will not feel it. Did you learn as a teenager to lock your pain away? When you were a teenager, you were someone who learned how to numb your pain. It's not just distraction, not just hiding, but you learn that there's certain types of things that take the edge off, right? What things are teenagers famous for drinking too much of? Underage. You didn't drink any of it because it wasn't legal. Amen, we all know, right? The red solo cup. You guys are not honest today. Okay. First experimentation, right, when you're a teenager, you're learning, wow, if I have some of this, I don't feel that other thing very much. I like that. Now, it doesn't have to be in a cup or a pill or a bottle or all the other forms it comes in, right? As, as youth pastors, they talk about don't drink and don't have sex, right? Don't numb your pain with those things, right? But there are other ways that adults have learned to numb their pain, right? How about success? Driven by success, right? Whatever your pattern was that you learned as a teenager, that is the exact pattern you carry to this day. So the question, how did your teenage self learn to deal with pain? Because I guarantee you it has not changed. Now it can look all sorts of different, right? You can be in a church building and we will teach you all the Christian language, all the interesting ways to make it look religious, and it's the exact same thing. Pain? What pain? What are you talking about? Oh, pain? Oh, I'm just going to stay distracted. I'm just going to make sure that I stay as busy in this church as I possibly can. I'm going to make sure I'm a pastor and I do as many things as I can to where I never have to deal with my own pain. We're going to have events every single week. We're just going to stay busy. We're going to do missions every week. We're going to have a, an outreach every single week. We're going to make sure that we never slow down to deal with the problem. Pain, what pain? I am blessed and highly favored. Amen. Hallelujah. Things don't change, guys. The first thing that we had to learn from our teenage self is that we were in touch with our pain. And if you are not in touch with your pain, the first thing that you're missing is this. You're missing the warning signs. There's a warning being sent to you in this deep emotional soul space. When you experience any form of pain, you're, you are being told, warning, you need to make a change. You cannot begin to continue to walk on this thing as if everything is okay, because it's not. Now here's the second thing that pain does, which I was fascinated to learn this yesterday. Here's the second thing that pain does. If the first thing is it signals to us, the second thing that pain does is it signals outside of us. So, if you've been at a playground, right, and you, you see that child, with me it's Rachel, and she has no fear, and she's climbing up the monkey bars, and you know what's about to happen, right? And she's flying down those things, and she wants to be a big girl, and she falls. And there's that moment where you know they're hurt, but, but like they're looking around for you, right? If you notice... They're waiting first to find out who their pain should call out to. The second function of pain is it is the way that we communicate our need for help. Hear that. This is the deep one today. You have lost your ability to ask for help. 
Hear me. Allow this to seep into you right now. This is something that you do not want to walk out with, without with. Amen? <laughs> You've lost your ability to ask for help. As a teenager, you learn to take care of yourself, right? You learn that people around you are imperfect, that your, your, your heroes are not as great as they once were, the world's not as safe as it was, and that you really can't trust anybody, right? And you learn to take care of yourself. You learn to take your pain and deal with it. And we call that being an adult. Suck it up, right? The second purpose of pain is it triggers us when it's important for us to ask for help. This is so huge for you this morning. Two things you need to learn from your teenage self. One, allow your pain to tell you when it's time to make a healthy change in your life. Second, let your pain take you beyond your comfort zone to ask for help. So we open this morning with a scripture. I want to read it in the Message Bible. In verse 15, Psalm 34, uh, 15, it says, God keeps an eye on his friends. His, ear, his ears pick up every moan and groan. The word for that is, is cry. God won't put up with rebels. He'll call them from the pack. Is anyone crying for help? God is listening. He's ready to rescue you. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. Disciples so often get in trouble. Still, God is there every time. He's your bodyguard, shielding every bone, and not even a finger gets broken. When that pain signals inside of you, what do you do? You what? You cry, right? Crying out, right? In, in the uh, NIV, it says, I cried out for God, and he heard me. But there's something about this, right? Have you ever felt that pain and you just suffocated that, that cry? You know what I'm talking about? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, if you did stub your toe and you wanted to say that word that came out, but you're in church, you would what? Suffocate it. Swallow that sucker. Some of you would. Others would not, right? <laughs> Most of you would, right? You'd swallow that thing. No. No. Let it sink in the day. Some of you on the inside are crying out for help. But you've learned the worst habit of all adults. I'm fine. I'm okay. Everything's fine. I'm just going to stuff it down and ignore it until my entire life implodes. Or I'm just going to stay distracted. I'm going to make sure I change everything in my life all the time to avoid it. Or I'm going to make sure that I have just enough things in the secret parts of my life to keep myself numb. I'm going to make sure that I keep enough of this in my life to stay numb. Where are you this morning? Which of those is it? You know one of the best tools to numb your pain? Church. Amen, hallelujah. No, I'm good. Everything's fine. I went to church. I'm good. Everything's fine. Pastor, I was at church three times this month. You know I'm doing good. I'm serving. I'm plugged in. Man, worship was awesome. Can't wait for that album. I'm doing fine. What are you talking about? We have to learn from the younger parts of ourselves. When was the last time that you remember yourself asking for help? Crying out for help, right? 
I can actually remember the, the age, the time of my life when I was going through so much pain and I stopped asking people for help. I remember there was a time and I had, I had a few people that I trusted. And I went to and I said, hey, I need help with this. And, you know, it didn't really work out. Hey, I need help with this. It didn't really work out. Hey, I need help with this. And, and then there's that shifting in your heart and you go, you know what? I'm going to swallow that. I'm fine. I'll take care of it on my own. Would you guys stand with me this morning? It's part of this series for us is to learn how to take care of people in our lives who are in these seasons. And for all the teenagers in your life, I want to encourage you this. When, they, when you are around a teenager, here is a way that you can care for them. Here's a way that you can show them the love of Christ in their life. I want you to first this. When you're around that emotional, reactive, passionate, dreaming, questioning, annoying, arguing teenager, right? Who knows everything because they've been there. Yeah, I know. I saw it on YouTube. I know. Here's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to remember back then. We're going to remember what it was like when we were there. As painful as it is, I know a lot of you guys don't want to think back to those years. I get it. I don't even want to sometimes. But when I think back, when I put myself in those shoes, I am so much more patient with the teenagers in my life. We're going to react slower. When, you, when that teenager gets smart with you and you just slow, slow down. And here's the big one. When you were in that stage of life, and it could have even carried on to where you are right now, you had your first experience of loneliness. It was the first time as a teenager when you realized that your parents couldn't fix everything. When you realized that people didn't always care about what you were going through. And there wasn't always something or someone who was going to fix it or make it better. You experience loneliness in this part of your life. And so the thing that we're going to do as a family of God is we are going to always reassure the teenagers in our lives that we're here. We are here. I'm not telling you to fix everything or always line them out or tell them how silly they are, how they're overreacting. We're going to make sure that they know that we're here, we're paying attention, we hear them. And if, you don't, if you're not a parent to a teenager, I encourage you to step up. If you are a parent to a teenager, you probably don't have any patience left. That's okay, amen, bless you. It's our job to be the ones to say, hey, come here, let's go have coffee. You don't have to be the youth pastor. You can still pour in to the young people in this church. So Father, we pray as a body that you would Allow us to be caring, to, to make a place for these, these sons and daughters of God who are experiencing pain and loneliness, that this would be a place where they would find safety. We, wouldn't have, we don't have the answers to everything. We don't have the solutions to everything. But there is safety here. The Spirit of God is here. And people who are present for them and care for them are here. And as we go into communion, Lord, we ask that you would take us back to that place. 
as teenagers, and we ask that as we get ready to take the bread and the juice, you would put us in that place. We remember what it was like to feel our pain.